Growing up back in the day when I was a kid, I used to be a huge wrestling fan. I know a lot of you guys call it wrestling. I'm from down south, so I call it wrestling. But one of my favorite wrestlers was named Edge. One thing that I always loved about Edge was that he was incredibly well-written. They called him the ultimate opportunist because he was really good at creating opportunities for himself and cashing in on those self-created opportunities. You look at Utah going into the Pac-12 championship game. They needed some help to get here. You needed Oregon State to beat Oregon and you needed Washington to beat Washington State. That happened. So throughout the whole entire week, Leading up to this game, most of all of us were mainly talking about USC. Can they get into the playoffs? And do they have a legitimate shot at winning the national championship? We also were talking about Caleb Williams for Heisman. Going into this matchup, I think it was pretty fair to say that most of us thought that this was Caleb Williams' game to come out. And cement himself as the Heisman Trophy winner for this season. Now, Caleb Williams played a pretty good game. 28-41, 363 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. However, he started this game out on fire. But then, once USC went up 17-3, that's when all hell broke loose. And everything... That could have went wrong for USC, went wrong for the Trojans in this game. Let's be honest. Most of us were not expecting much from USC's defense. If you picked USC to win this game, you picked them probably because you had confidence in Caleb Williams' ability to get the job done. However, he got injured. I don't know When he got injured, but somewhere after USC went up 17-3, he got banged up. And I could kind of notice it. He was limping a little bit, and I hit up one of my homeboys because me and one of my homies both had USC minus two and a half on our parlays. And once I noticed that Caleb Williams was injured, and then he was coming out of the medical tent, And the commentators were talking about it. I texted my homie and I said, fam, USC is done. He was like, what you mean? I said, bro, Caleb Williams is hurt. He's not going to be able to use his mobility to escape pressure. He's not going to be able to keep up. He's not going to be able to get extra yards on the ground with his legs. And it was going to hurt USC's whole entire team because... USC, although they do have some really talented players on both sides of the ball, this was a team that mainly was elevated due to the talent of Caleb Williams. And you can tell once Caleb Williams was injured, Utah, they smelled blood in the water. They were like sharks. And their defensive coordinator started sending even more pressure. And at that point... That's when you realize this game was starting to take a dramatic swing. At one point, Utah has scored 
27 unanswered points. USC's offense went from being unstoppable to not even being able to buy a first down. One of the biggest keys to this game, I said, was going to be who was going to be more successful on getting off the field in third down situations. Because last time, in the first matchup this season between these two teams, Utah was the better team on third down. And this was the same, this was pretty much the same thing this time around. USC was one of 12 on third down, absolutely horrendous. Utah was five of 12. And the thing about it is that you could really tell that USC really couldn't find any other ways to win once Caleb Williams got injured. He was the heart and soul of their team. And once I found out that USC couldn't find a way to will themselves to victory without Caleb Williams, that's when I realized that Utah was going to win this game and that USC was not a championship caliber football team. You see, championship caliber football teams have to be able to find ways to win even when their best player isn't able to play their best football. You see, when Caleb Williams got injured and he was hobbled and he was limping, that's when this USC team should have rallied behind him and they should have been able to play good enough to carry him and this team to the win. But they weren't able to do that. You know, you have Jordan Addison, right? Mario Williams. Both of these two guys have been phenomenal for USC all season. But in their biggest game, well, in the biggest game of the season for USC, they disappear. When they needed a play the most, they couldn't get it. They had several drops. I mean, I don't know what happened to this USC team after they went up 17-3. But it seemed like them getting out to a fast start might have been the worst thing that could have happened to them. And for those of you guys who are harping on USC's defense, once again, I'm going to ask you, what did you expect? USC's defense hasn't been good all year. We saw what this defense did in their first matchup against Utah. You see, I was just expecting USC's defense to play good enough that they can help this team get out to maybe a lead of two possessions. And that happened. You was up 17-3. to You being up two possessions was probably one of the best things that could have happened to you offensively at that point during the game because Utah's defense couldn't stop you. So if you kept on scoring, no matter when or how Utah's offense got going, eventually when they got going, it wouldn't have mattered because your offense would have been able to keep scoring and keeping a hold of that lead. But you see, the defense, you know, everybody wants to talk about the defense, right? But yet, when the offense started going through and out and sputtering out, the defense started getting tired. And they were on the field for more plays than what they should have been. What did you expect? This defense kind of played as good as 
kind of what you expected. Or they played as good as what they possibly could have. When you look at USC standards, because the defense hasn't really been great all this season, so I wasn't expecting a defensive performance of uh, historical relevance or something like that. I just wasn't expecting a historical performance out of USC's defense. As a matter of fact, I was shocked on how effective the defense was for USC to start this game. They played good enough to get them out to a 17-3 lead. So, like, you can harp on USC's defense and talk about how Lincoln Raleigh needs to improve it all you want to, but I don't really think that was the key reason why they lost this game. Lincoln Riley is regarded as the most innovative offensive mind in college football, right? But when USC was struggling on offense, where was this? Where was Lincoln Riley's offensive genius? Where was it? Because I didn't see not one guy make a big play in the second half of this game when USC really needed points on the board. Outside of the lone comeback effort that they started to have early in the fourth quarter, late in the third quarter, when they were able to get a little bit of juice somewhat, but it was short-lived, Utah's defense was sensational in this game. The adjustments they made after going down 17-3 were phenomenal. And their defensive coordinator smelled Caleb Williams was not 100%. He smelled blood in the water. He smelled a wounded animal. This Utah defense, they knew their prey didn't have too long to go until they were finally able to surround it and feed the pack of hungry wolves. I mean, this secondary had a very good game compared to how they played in the first matchup. I mean... Utah secondary got absolutely pooped on in their first matchup. And I think when you're talking about some outstanding defensive performances in this game, definitely have to talk about Clark Phillips played a phenomenal game. Remember, he was getting absolutely dominated by Jordan Addison in this first matchup between these two teams. And one of the biggest keys to the game for Utah heading in, I felt, was Clark Phillips being able to play good coverage on these wide receivers, whoever he was lined up against, because he is one of the best cornerbacks in the Pac-12. And he played a very good game. And Utah wins their second consecutive Pac-12 championship. Like I said earlier, you know, Edge was considered the ultimate opportunist. And you look at Utah. This was a team that I don't really think played as good as what they could have had this season. There were many people, myself included, who felt this could have been a potential college football playoff team. But despite that, they still won the Pac-12 championship. They got here. And I think from a program standpoint, they remind me a lot of Stanford. Not in terms of how they run their program, but in terms of what Stanford used to be in the Pac-12. Stanford didn't make it to a college football playoff. They came close 
But they never really were a program that you saw as a legitimate playoff contender year in and year out. However, they were a really good program when it came to winning 10 games and being able to consistently stay atop of the Pac-12 conference year in and year out. You look at Utah under Kyle Winningham, I kind of think that's what this program is becoming. I think they're becoming a more modern version of what Stanford used to be when Stanford football was at its peak back probably when they had Christian McCaffrey. So you look at Utah, they're going to be going to the Rose Bowl. Don't know if they're going to play Ohio State again, because if Michigan wins, they're probably more, they're definitely going to clinch their spot in the college football playoffs. And if Ohio State doesn't get in, you have to wonder if the Rose Bowl is going to want to see Utah Ohio State again because Michigan um, is going to be in the playoffs, so they're going to have to choose the second best team from the Big Ten, and that would be Ohio State. Don't know if the Rose Bowl would want us to see a part two of last year's game, even though it was a fantastic game. I wouldn't mind seeing Ohio State versus Utah again, but Utah, back-to-back Pac-12 champions, They're the ultimate opportunist. You know, they found the way to backdoor themselves into the Pac-12 championship game. And the mistake that USC made was allowing Utah to hang in this game. You know, they gave them a chance to crawl back. And when you give a team like Utah a chance to crawl back into games, they end up getting all the momentum on on their side. They end up playing better down the stretch because they end up getting more confident as the game goes on because it becomes more physical and before I end this I almost forgot you know Utah really took over this game at the start of this game Utah was able to well at the start of this game USC was able to control the tempo and control the pace of this game they were able to dictate how they wanted this game to go but then once Utah really started to lock in they took over this game I mean bro Utah was putting guys on stretchers guys were getting sent out the game Utah really became the king of the hill. And this is why I love watching Utah play because this is the most physical team in the Pac-12. USC was not ready for the kind of physicality that Utah brought in this game. And that's the thing about USC's defense that we all talked about and we all had questions about for the whole entire season. Their physicality, their death up front. How were they going to be able to hold up when the team was able to have success running the football against them? When the team was able to manhandle them up front, how would they respond? And we saw how they responded. They ended up, it kind of looked looked like the moment was too big for USC at one point. And Utah was like, you know, we've been here. We had to settle down, but we're here now. And once Utah really started to settle in, the physicality was just way too much for USC. And it was kind of looking like USC was starting to get overwhelmed. And they did. 
incredibly overwhelmed up front on both sides of the football their defense was lost eventually like their defense couldn't do absolutely nothing their defense just looked helpless and you can put all the blame on their defensive coordinator all you want to but at the end of the day Lincoln Riley is an offensive genius so when the offense needed to find some plays outside of you the outside of utilizing their best player Caleb Williams you kind of would have thought that Lincoln Riley would have found ways to get his best playmakers the ball. But he couldn't do it. Cam Rising had a very good game. The best game of the season that I've seen him play. 22-34 for 310 pass yards, three touchdowns. He had 18 rushing yards, but he actually had more than that. But I think they take away rushing yards from yards that you lose when you get sacked. However... You know, Cam Rising was phenomenal with his legs. And he had one run when he absolutely got popped right in the chin strap. The dude gets up and he starts laughing. I said, bruh, what the hell is wrong with you? You just got fucking almost annihilated. And you getting up laughing about it? And then after that, that's when I knew Cam Rising officially was locked in this game. You remember when LSU played UCF? And Joe Burrow got smacked by one of the UCF defensive players. Comes back the next series and absolutely starts going off. That's what Cam Rising was. You know, I think Cam Rising is the perfect embodiment of Utah football. I think he represents everything that is Utah football. Toughness. Scrappiness. You know, he's not the biggest the fastest, doesn't have the greatest arm, but this dude is a gamer. He just finds ways to get it done. And that's why I love watching Utah play because this is a program that, yeah, they don't bring in a bunch of five and four star talent, but you know, they bring in guys who fit the culture that they're trying to build. They bring guys in who fit what they want to do culture-wise in the locker room. They develop them. And then around year three, they end up having an experienced team and ends up being good enough to do what they did this year. Potentially compete for the college football playoffs. And despite the fact that they do have three losses, I do feel like Utah still was good enough to be at least a dark horse college football playoff contender this year. However, you know, you have some off games from Cam Rising. He dealt with some injuries as well. The defense, even though this is the best or one of the best defenses in the Pac-12, still the defense didn't play good enough or consistent enough for you to be able to remain in that conversation. However, this is still a very successful season for the Utes. They win the Pac-12. And... Before I end this episode off, I just want to say that I had a lot of fun watching, covering, and talking about the Pac-12 this season. You know, many people were very critical of the Pac-12 going into this season. Of course, with looming conference realignment and expansion, we don't know what the future holds for the Pac-12. But in terms of the product, that this conference put out this year, phenomenal. This was my favorite conference to watch. 
I loved watching teams like Oregon State, Washington State play. You know, I just really loved watching Pac-12 football this year. And this game was pretty entertaining. You know, there was a lot of drama because I'm talking to my homie. I'm like, Lincoln Riley, I don't think he's going to take Caleb Williams out the game. So is Caleb Williams going to be able to pull a rabbit out of the hat? And y'all, I thought he almost did. He had one drive, one good drive that they put together in the second half. But outside of that, USC's offense, once Caleb Williams got injured, you pretty much knew it was wraps from there. But I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you guys like the video and subscribe for the channel for more NFL videos and college football content. Make sure that you rate the JT Sports Podcast five-star reviews on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from. The JT Sports Podcast is available. Give us a five-star review. Share the podcast if you enjoyed this episode with your friends, family, acquaintances. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.